0: From an inflatable raft floating aimlessly in the Braddock family swimming pool, it's the IGN Digiguy. Please welcome two guys who have one word for you, Plastics, Wade Major, and Mark Kaiser. So I've got to say, I am deeply, deeply saddened by the fact that Antonia Bird died this last week. That's
1: true. She was like fifty-four.
0: Fifty-four died of cancer. I mean, that is such a loss. She never really got her career on a track that she deserved. She's, I mean, Antonia Bird. For those who don't know, she directed that movie Priest, which was a bit of a Miramax, you know, scandal for a moment and a half. And then she went on to do a, a, a really remarkably cool film with Robert Carlyle, the the uh, kind of pseudo Western Ravenous, which is much more her style. And um, you know, she but she never became that super cool genre. Go-to filmmaker, you know she sort of exists somewhere between David Lynch and David Cronenberg. Her style, her sensibilities, and uh, which leads me to something. You know, she has a, there's a very a famous short film she made which I've never seen, but apparently where someone finds a hair in the sink and they pull on it and turns out there's a human being on the end of it. Um.
1: So where was the human being? Was the human being under the sink?
0: See, you're you're asking questions for which there ought to be no answer. This isn't this is existentialism. Anyway. Uh, the the point being i'm gonna get to something oh, there's Here. a point there's a point so speaking of yesterday i'm walking around i feel this little prick on my foot i'm like oh gosh i hate Whoa, it. whoa
1: oh stop stop, stop
0: stop stop it gets weirder so i and i'm thinking i hate it when i get like a little rock in my shoe it's the worst feeling ever right
1: you were about to say, like, okay. I want to get a little prick in my shoe. No, but you didn't
0: want me to go there. Again, I didn't did want you? you to go there. So I, I hate when mean, I didn't want to have a little rock in my. It's just like you know, you, you know, it's just a little grain of sand, right? Like a little gr- sand-sized grain thing. It's in your shoe, and it's it's right there under the pad of my foot, kind of on the pad, but near the little toe. It's, it's driving over? me. It, it's driving me crazy. Absolutely driving me crazy. So I, I, I take my shoe off, take my sock off. There's nothing. There's nothing there. Later on, I'm walking around barefoot. I'm still feeling it. It's like there's some weird nerve thing going on the bottom of my foot. I, I, I think this is the strangest thing. I have a pinched nerve. It literally feels like there's a pebble. But there's no pebble. I'm barefoot. I'm walking around. It's, just, it's, it's radiating pain. So I finally sit down with, with like, uh, some implements and tools to see if I'm going to have to you know carve out some kind of a piece of skin or something. What do I have to do? There's a little hair sticking out of the pad of my foot. Literally, like a hair. I'm like, okay, I, this is weird. You don't grow hair out of your bottom of your soles your yeah, feet. if you're and old, if, you do. And, and, and if I am, if suddenly I've reached that age where I'm growing hair out of the soles of my feet, then I'm, I am literally going to go kill myself and spare the world my mutated genetic material. So I, I pull it, and it just comes right out. Like a quart. like somehow a little hair got inserted into some kind of a nerve cavity in the sole of my foot like an acupuncture needle, and was I was feeling it?
1: Uh, you know what I'm, I'm doing okay now?
0: now. Isn't that bizarre?
1: Uh, it, it not only is it bizarre, but as you were telling that story, yes. I'm, I'm trying to stay awake yes. during the story. Yes. I flashed on to that <laughs> shot from the fly when Jeff Goldblum <laughs> reaches over his shoulder. Yeah. I think it was. I think he reached over his shoulder and he pulled out like the little coarse hair that, like the very yes. first coarse hair he yes. saw. Yes, he's kind of feeling around his shoulder. He's like, yes. "Oh, what's that? That's what I flashed on."
0: Uh, well, good. Please don't flash anymore. Stop that. We don't need your your flashing. I, you and your you and your flashing and your pricks. No, don't, don't be doing that. Okay,
1: fine. Don't be taking my
0: funny and do the funny. <laughs> funny, how oh, <laughs> dare you,
1: um, Wade? Uh, yes. Uh, now AFI is coming up, and I've oh. uh,
0: AFI Fest I- and AFM.
1: I don't go to – I love AFM because it's just the worst movies ever. By the way, you realize that – You
0: know, I used to work for Air France. We called it AF. It's just too bad that Air France isn't getting in on this AFM, AFI thing. It would be like an AF festival. That's great. It
1: would be an AFF. That's great. I'm seeing nothing from AFI. In fact, I may not even pick up my press badge.
0: You know what? You're going to love this. I uh, I have had a uh, – hopefully the people from AFI Fest don't listen to this. Uh, I have uh, had my press badge on hold for the last five consecutive AFI Fest years. I have not gone to AFI Fest, a single one of them. <laughs> I haven't. It's you just be- have too much to do. It's just too much to do. It, it, you know, this time of year is just – it's manic. It's insane. It really well, is insane.
1: I'm definitely behind on screenings for our laughter voting, yeah. which is uh, December 8th. The good news is that I'm not going to New York for Thanksgiving. This year, which usually means I lose like five days of screener watching. I don't know for that.
0: I don't know why they don't start getting their screener act in gear earlier. Every year this happens. I don't know why they don't do this, especially smaller companies. The problem is that when you blitz us with like 120 screeners in three weeks. And it will happen. And it will happen. And we will, and here, here, it's like here, here are 120 movies we want you to watch in three weeks. Inevitably, what gets cast by the wayside, the stuff we've never heard of. You look at it and you go, okay, screw that. Okay, Saving Mr. Banks, got to watch that. Rush, got to watch that. Uh, Captain Phillips, got to watch that. And it's all the big A list stuff, whether it's Miramax or, or, or Weinstein Company or you know, uh, Fox Searchlight or whatever the case is. You pull those things out. And then of course everybody in you know in the Laughkey email list, they shoot emails back and forth and say, You gotta see this, you gotta see this, and based on who says it, you go, No way in hell, or oh, I trust that person's opinion. And but invariably there are gonna be about sixty or seventy little movies in there that no one will watch that'll get completely lost because they didn't take the opportunity to get themselves on our radar earlier when we didn't have the other movies in hand. If you send me a screener in September, and blitz me with phone calls and say, you got to see this movie, we really want you to consider it, you have a better chance than if I get it literally, you know, the day before Thanksgiving when I have a pile a mile high.
1: But then again... It's just crazy. Right now in my front door is a FedEx tag.
0: Oh, so annoying.
1: And I missed the first FedEx delivery, so I signed the receipt, I put it on my door, and now when the FedEx man comes tomorrow... He is going to put at my doorstep yes. the first – actually, not the first screener I've gotten. I, I did get a couple of screeners before yeah. that uh, of In a World, the Lake yeah. Bell film. Yeah. So that's good. And we know – hang on. You know what? I did get a, pa- I, yes. I did get a package. Hang on. Stay, go vamp for okay. 10 seconds, and I'll, I'll tell you what I got.
0: Okay. Well, you know what? While, while you're vamping, I'm, vamping. Going to, uh, I'm going to announce a uh, – we have a Vox Box today. At least I think we do. Pretty sure we do. Maybe it's a mystery. Uh, the uh, we have a, uh, a giveaway this week. You hey, know that is that this? Nope. Well, we're gonna do that. We're gonna give that away, but that's not like a real giveaway. Here, here no. what yes, okay. what Here's what I got. Yes. Here's what I got. What you got?
1: Um, and we'll we'll talk about the uh, giveaway in a second. Yes, we will. I got uh, a um, package from dime Yeah, I know. I got short term package. twelve. Short term twelve. Which
0: I'm gonna watch. That's people not...
1: love. I know. Not I seen
0: I, it. I heard good things about it. Haven't seen it, but yeah, I'll I'll, I'll watch that one.
1: Our Nixon, which I'd love to see, not going to watch. Uh, well, I'll see it for myself.
0: Why? What? what it's not going to be in the running. Nixon. it's not going to be a running. Uh, it, no, it, but
1: th- it, here's the thing: if if, if it's a lazy uh, Sunday night and a film about uh, a film, about, see, a film about
0: killing is is is, is, gonna, is like the only documentary anyone's even concerned about. So anyway, go on. Narco Cultura, not interested.
1: Call Me Kuchu, which I saw is very good. It's
0: very good, but it's not in the running. Uh,
1: this I will see because I must or I will die. Don't stop believing. Every man's journey. The story that uh, we talked about that a couple weeks yes, ago. It's a right? it. story about that uh, that guy from uh, like yeah. Thailand or something yeah. who uh, took over for Steve Perry yeah. as an amazing voice. Uh, they found him on, the on YouTube. Not in the running. Not in a million years. Dead Man's Burden.
0: Uh, I don't even know what it is. I don't know
1: what that is. Uh, terrible documentary and so uh, this is oh, a oh 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 that's fun. good no that's good
0: no the the uh, the, the when Borscht comedy thing. went to
1: school I love that movie no you don't I do no you don't I do It's not a very good documentary
0: I don't care it, it's about it's yeah Robert Klein I know I talked about it on, on uh, NPR Robert Klein uh, narrates it and it's the yeah. it's the whole you they, it,
1: you, thought Lo- this a way, you thought this was a good documentary?
0: It's it got, fine. It it's doesn't... got no. It's about the Borscht Belt. It's yes. it's it's the Catskills. It's wonderful. All these old Jewish couples talking about all the old comics they used to watch. It's wonderful. Jerry Lewis is the, is interviewed extensively. In Harry it.
1: Dean Stanton, partly fiction.
0: Yeah, that's a good doc. Uh, Actually, it, it really it
1: is. is good. Actually, yeah. I get this because uh, because I, I always disappear on my birthday because yeah. I hate my birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, they sent me the screener because I yes. had asked for it because Harry Dean Stanton and I ha- share a birthday. Yeah, we were both born on July fourteenth. Sure, he was born. Many years earlier Yes May I just say Mm -hmm. So because I hate my birthday And I tend to hide
0: Mm -hmm. I spent
1: part of my birthday Sure Watching Harry Dean Stanton Partly fiction Because we were both born On the same day Sweet And then finally An act of killing
0: Yeah that's the Which uh, is the only one We care about That's the Honestly And I have problems With an act of killing To be honest I I have some kind of Persnickety issues with it Because I think it gets Indonesian history wrong uh, Notably right at the very beginning It it just It's it's wrong from the outset Claiming that there was A government coup There was not a government coup But that being that aside, um, you know, it, for, I, I'll put it this way. If you want to sort of correct the inaccuracies that are rife throughout that movie, just watch The Year of the Living Dangerously. The, you know, the Mel Gibson, Sigourney Weaver, Peter Weir film from, uh, whatever it was, Linda 1980, Hunt? Linda Hunt won an Academy Award, Best Supporting Actress, playing uh, Billy Kwan, playing a man. Um, brilliant film, amazing book. And that gives you a completely accurate view of what was going on in Indonesia at the time that all of the original crap breaks loose that this film talks about. So even though this film gets the history inaccurate, I don't want to say it's quite wrong. They just sort of misinterpret it, and they very hastily cover it um, because there's a little bit of a political agenda there. Uh, the problem in Indonesia is it was bad guys replacing bad guys. There were sort of no good guys in the government, so there was really no good option. But anyway, it, it, uh, apart from that, it's a great film.
1: And this is your frontrunner right now for a uh, documentary. Oh,
0: yeah, it's front frontrunner for the Oscars, too, I would say.
1: Uh, Wade, you have a choice? We need to talk about DVDs, which we haven't done yet, and we're like 10 minutes into the show, yeah. or you can eat your cookie.
0: Uh, I'll eat my cookie. Really? Yeah, hit right. me. Cookie, cookie. Okay.
1: This is a cookie with uh, cookie. Uh, tarragon and lime. Tarragon? And of, uh, you put tarragon uh, know, was, on a cookie? Something like that. You put
0: tarragon on a cookie? I,
1: I, I, maybe it's not tarragon. We'll just eat the damn thing and oh, okay. shut the hell up. This
0: is kind of scaring me now. What, it's, got white,
1: well, it's got white chocolate on top.
0: Okay, what, what, what's the green stuff?
1: Little, like, little slivers of lime. Right? Okay,
0: that's good. It's not, as long as it's not tarragon.
1: No, that's not tarragon. By the way, this is uh, this is good. This is good I- internet radio, folks. Mm-hmm. Wade eating a cookie. That's that's is good. it good? Mm-hmm. Now you would tell me if it's not good.
0: No, I show you if it's not good. I, I
1: I only I only uh, now get this now, folks. Here, here's what it's like to bake, and I know this is very you know you know
0: you know tarragon. That was the original final line of Gone with the Wind. It was gone. Terra tar- 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 gone but it didn't didn't quite fly with the test audience, so they went with you know. Tomorrow is another day.
1: No one wants to hear about movies. They want to hear about baking because that's why they listen to us. <laughs> I'm to say this real quick. <laughs> so I, I, I can't believe we do this. So anyway, <laughs> I'm making these cookies, right? Mm-hmm. And the first batch comes out uh, a little too crumbly, bottom a little too dark. And because I'm kind of an intermediate baker, not a beginner, not an expert, intermediate, I'm trying to figure out what's wrong. I figured out what's wrong, Wade. You <laughs> know what was wrong? <laughs> I had the rack too low. Because when the rack is too low, the rack is too close to the flame, which Do means you know at the bottom... Well, here, here comes a breast joke. <laughs> okay, okay, forget the breast joke. Because the rack is too low... I'm
0: going to make a brassiere joke. Okay, I was going to you. say your oven needs a brassiere if the rack's too low. Thank you. Thank, thank you, okay, thank you. Uh, thank you well, for killing my, my joke.
1: Well, my, my oven's had a couple of kids, oh. got a little older, you know how it is. <laughs> so, um, anyway... So uh, if the rack is too low, that means that 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 the cookies are closer to the flame, so the bottoms get darker, Mm -hmm. right? Mm. And then it starts to bake a little too much. So I had I raised the rack up, and then I got a good batch. And you are eating one of the good batch. The bad batch, which by the way is not bad, it's fine. But the bad batch, I'm eating myself. The good batch, I'm giving to guests to make it seem like I know how to bake.
0: So, I'm talking about DVDs out of context. Out of context. Oh, really? You just said. When the rack's too low, the bottom gets darker. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Go go know. out in public and have that conversation. <laughs>
1: exactly. All right, let's All get right. this over. What let's are we get doing? It over with.
0: Okay. So what we're doing is actually first we're going to plug a forthcoming holiday season film because it's um, you know it's a small film, but we want everybody to be aware of it. Phase Four films on December sixth. Is releasing the directorial debut of our good friend Charles de Charles, who has been a guest on this show several times, who is the uh, still the premier producer of uh, extra content on DVDs and Blu-rays. He's been Ridley Scott's, he's really go-
1: Scott's guy forever. He's Ridley
0: Scott's guy forever. He uh, right now he's in Spain actually working with Ridley on oh, Exodus. Yeah. So he's doing all the – he's getting ready to do all the big extras for Exodus and uh, still does it. You know, he's – the alien quadrilogy, that's all his stuff. I mean he is the premier go-to guy for a lot of this stuff. But um, he directed a movie and it is called Crave and uh, it comes out on December 6th. It stars Josh Lawson of uh, House of Lies and who's also in Anchorman 2. Ron Perlman is in it. Edward Furlong is in it. And um, we are really looking forward to seeing it. And uh, he's looking forward to having everybody see it. And we want to make sure that that is on everybody's radar. Crave. Charles Salazarica's directing debut. So let's, um, not that we really yearn for him to stop doing great extra content on DVDs. But I think it would be awesome if this really launched uh, his career as a a filmmaker and uh, got him to that next level. Because he deserves it.
1: From a personal level. He's a super talented guy. From a personal level, I wish that he gives up DVD extras forever. To embark on a lucrative and creatively fulfilling, financially successful directing career.
0: We do aspire to push him there. And then also we have a giveaway. And we have a giveaway of a film that we're going to talk about today, which is a film called Computer Chess. And we're going to get to that momentarily. But we are giving, I mean, let everybody know right now, we're giving away five copies of Computer Chess. Uh, the publicists are uh, at, at Kino are being really really cool about this, and uh, they want to give away five copies. So just send us emails to uh, gods at digigods dot com. Put chess c h e s s. Don't make any funny spellings or anything. Just chess in the uh, in the subject line, and um, as long as we get it by. Uh, Friday, the 8th, as long as it is date stamped and time stamped, uh, by Friday, November 8th, it will be eligible. and we will pick five people at random, and uh, we will let you know. and uh, then we'll have uh, Kino send you your fantastic DVD of computer chess, a film by Andrew Bujalski, and we will talk about that later in the show. Meanwhile, Mark, what happened? Um, we need oh. to get started.
1: Oh, we're only fifteen so. minutes into the show, eh? I know. We're, so we're gonna go blow, we're,
0: we're gonna blow through a lot of this. Um, how about how about I start off on some uh, animated stuff. And then we'll and then we'll uh, I'll, I'll let you kind of get ready with the the uh, the regular movies, but there's some really awesome animated stuff that we have not completely gotten to, and I'll go through this as quickly as possible. Uh, Olive has released two volumes of uh, Betty Boop: The Essential Collection, Volume One and Volume Two. There are twelve Betty Boop shorts per set. They are both Blu-ray. They are fantastic, and this is part of Olive's ongoing uh, rating of the Paramount Library. I gotta tell you, I, I'm just I'm endlessly just awed by the fact that paramount has no value for their films anymore i mean it's not even library titles you realize everything that paramount now releases theatrically after that initial dvd pressing they turn it over to warner brothers movies from six months ago now are part of warner brothers i'm getting press releases and alerts now that warner brothers like the first half of the year all the paramount films warner brothers is now marketing the dvds
1: because uh, they've they've they Priced it out, and they've decided that the best thing to do would be to unload it to somebody else. It's like else. they're
0: treating it like fast food. They're treating their movies like fast food. Like, well, they uh, you all know do it. Th- th- Yeah, but it's, it's it's a disgrace. Warner Brothers doesn't. Disney no. doesn't.
1: No, Warner Brothers has the world's biggest movie library. Yeah, and they've decided that they see value in it.
0: Paramount do- is no, just Paramount is not. It's just unbelievable. Anyway, uh, there are some amazing shorts here uh, between the two volumes. And look, if you get one of these volumes and not the other one, you're 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 dead to us. We will not. Uh, we will. Uh, Cancel your podcast subscription. Um, Just a few of the samplings in here Dizzy Dishes. Uh, Betty Boop's Bamboo Isle, which is a, a, an amazing classic. Betty Boop for President is wonderful from 1932. Uh, the Foxy Hunter, 1937, is a classic. Betty Boop's Pride Show from 1934. What, you absolutely. read
1: all the titles? No, no. I'm just being. No Anyone's ever of heard them. of these titles? Just they're, they're, sure they they're
0: great. They're fabulous. I mean, they're fantastic, and they're all uh, 4K uh, remasters uh, on high def, and it's just fantastic. It's beautiful stuff. Really, really beautiful stuff. And then we got a bunch of things from Warner Archive Collection uh, that might be uh, might jog your memory if you're an old uh, vintage animated cartoon fan from the '60s and '70s and so forth. Marine Boy, the complete first season, 26 episodes on three discs. Uh, did you ever watch Marine Boy? It was kind of like uh, I'd
1: never I'd never heard of it. It's
0: like it's like Johnny Quest meets Aquaman. Uh, it's the, the, this was this is 1966, 67. Uh, you know, sort of the early years of Saturday morning television, right when that's really becoming a thing, and uh, it's really actually pretty cool it is really pretty cool Uh, very smartly done very cleverly done and uh i I think people would uh, thoroughly enjoy kind of visiting that and catching up on it jim broadbent narrates lost and found which is a really really sweet animated film i uh, i think this is getting a little bit of a push this was inspired by a best-selling book written by oliver jeffers and um it's delightful animation it's a little bit in that um uh henry Selleck vein, right? A little bit like James and the Giant Peach-ish, and uh, I think it's absolutely first-rate. Uh, the animators I've never heard of before, but um, really, really good stuff. And uh, Jim Broadbent's voice as narrator is just super delightful. And it's basically about this little boy who um, who finds a stranded penguin, and it's about the adventure that they take to the South Pole. And it's wonderful. It's just a wonderful little film. So definitely check that out. Lost and Found. And then, Mark, I know, I know you're a big fan of uh, Hanna-Barbera Classics, and we got three Hanna-Barbera I Classic am. collections here. Are you making fun of me? Yeah, I am totally making fun of I you. I am a big these fan. These are three... It was filmation I didn't like. These are... I know. These are three Hanna-Barbera Complete series now from the Warner uh, Archives. The first, do you remember The Hair Bear Bunch? I do not. You don't remember the hair. Well, bear you know
1: bunch? what I might. Oh, yeah, yes, I do. See now, yes, you see the
0: picture of the guy with the with, right. the, with the, uh, the huge the,
1: orange afro thing. Yeah,
0: the ho- huge orange afro. Now you remember the hair bears. Uh, I don't know where this idea came from, but I used to totally enjoy this show. It was completely off the wall and it was just uh, completely idiotic. And then, do you remember, do you remember this one, Captain Caveman and the Teen Oh yeah, oh, there, right.
1: A, there, you know, there's a very funny uh, a Family Guy gag with Captain Caveman. Really? Yes, there is. And you don't like Family Guy, even though well, tell see, you now would, I might like Family and Guy. Do a really? Captain Caveman thing.
0: That's pretty inside. Yes. That whole pre- show is like that. That's pretty cool. Now I see the thing I loved about Captain Caveman. There's something very subtle about this. This basically is every man's dream. Every guy wants to just be this, like, uh, boorish caveman, hairy, naked guy hanging out with hot women. This fulfills the, well, ma- the really male the fantasy. That's
1: really actually my that's my life. I'm a big right. hairy guy hanging out with uh, whatever.
0: And then uh, the Hanna-Barbera Classic Collection, Space Stars, a complete series, which uh, was their way of taking all of these characters that they had created and just ramming them all into one series, uh, including Space Ghost, the Herculoids, Astro and the Space Mutts, and Teen Force. And they just threw them all together and uh, made another series out of it. Kind of uh, recycling all this crap. I, I got to be honest. Astro and the Space Mutts is is really stupid. Uh, I, I was completely unaware of that as a thing, other than Astro's presence in um, the uh, the Jetsons. But uh, Teen Force is pretty cool. The Herculoids were somewhat cool, and Space Ghost is the is, is the best. I'm no, just, no, well, no, space especially Go- as a as a talk show host.
1: Th- that's when Space Ghost was the best. I was in- inspired. It wasn't, forgotten like a long forgotten Gosh, cartoon good. superhero and turn him into a talk show host.
0: Was, that was the most brilliant idea.
1: <laughs> it was the best. Uh, not the best is uh, now, wait, let's talk about movies. How about, talk about movies? First, yeah, age? let's All do right. it. All right, Kristen Bell is, uh, is the lifeguard. Um, this is a fairly dull film, and Kristen Bell plays a uh, big city woman turning 30 she decides to uh, head to uh, her parents' uh, suburban home where she becomes a lifeguard, has an affair with a high school boy. Uh, This is one of those um, films where you need somebody with, well, first thing you need is you need somebody with a lot more dimension to their acting than Kristen Bell, who's fine, but she can't really give much life to the script, which doesn't really have enough uh, backstory or real emotions to it. I just feel it's very dull. And uh, it's kind of lacking in originality, and it was just not really. I, I, you know, obviously, there's a lot of stories about people that age who realize that their that their life in the big city isn't what they thought it was going to be, so they decided to go home. We've seen that story a thousand times. Uh, this one, though, I just feel is uh, you know, there's not a lot of backstory to really kind of you know. Uh, Get us connected to the lifeguard. Um, so you know, she I looks
0: th- like she looks like she could have been on Baywatch, though, right? She is wearing. She just can't carry a movie. That's the she's problem. She's wearing
1: the sexy, uh, you know, red, red lifeguard uh, yeah. suit, which is uh, very true. Anyway, lifeguard, I'd pass on this.
0: All right, uh, a couple of films here from Image. You know, one of the things that happened with uh, Image Entertainment was that it was when it was acquired by RLJ Entertainment, which is Robert L. Johnson the uh, The billionaire uh, behind uh, uh, Black Entertainment Television (BET), uh, it became, it basically didn't change. Image still is this kind of free for all company that releases all kinds of, of titles and all across all things. But they they do now release every month several uh, titles that have uh, all black casts. You know, kind of a uh, sort of uh, uh, suburban black household themes. They're targeting a very specific audience, um, namely the audience that you know is not targeted by, say, the the Tyler Perry stuff. That's not targeted by the Ice Cube stuff. That's not targeted by uh, all the all the other movies that have been aimed at black audiences for the longest time. And I don't know that there's an awful lot of crossover interest here. But they're 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 okay. You know, there's these films are sort of coming along. Uh, one of them is Frat Brothers, which is about a couple of it's it's there's nothing specifically urban about this you know it's not it doesn't have to be a black cast but it is and so hopefully people don't look at it and go oh that's uh that's only for black people not not really um it's you know it's 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 a mid-level film it's basically just a family drama and anybody's gonna be able to relate to this couple of brothers one of them pledges to his dad's fraternity the other one pledges to a different fraternity creates a big family thing going on and it's it's okay um if you're, you know, if you have fraternities in the family, I guess it means a little bit more. And the other one actually isn't bad. Homecoming is about a group of friends who uh, get together 20 years after they graduated from college and all the issues that sort of, you know, resurface and all the old the old wounds come back to haunt them. A little big chillish, but uh, otherwise pretty well done by the writer-director Eugene Ash, who I think has... Um, I think he has some, some chops, so hopefully he'll be able to do uh, bigger and better things with uh, a few more names in the cast and emerge from direct-to-video, uh, direct-to-video land at some point.
1: Uh, wait, Parkland, as we uh, careen towards the 50th oh, anniversary geez. of the assassination of JFK. Parkland, I have to say, this thing kind of came and went, and it came, uh, it's out on Blu-ray now very quickly. I like this film. I think this film is a bit overlooked. It, uh, it is the story of the uh, JFK assassination as told through the nurses and doctors who had to treat him and Lee Harvey Oswald at Parkland Hospital, uh, which is where they were both taken after the assassination. And uh, it was directed by a guy named Peter Landsman, and he's a former journalist. And i got to say that this guy has a very interesting eye. He deals a lot in close-ups, uh, which kind of gets you really into, the, into looking into the eyes of these people, what they were thinking, the choices they had to make. It's got a very good cast, including Zac Efron, who's fine. I believe Bob Thornton, Jackie Weaver, Paul Giamatti. And uh, we've heard the story told many times before, but not from this angle. And uh, I think Parkland was a little overlooked, but I did think it was pretty good, I have to say. I would recommend, uh, as we uh, get closer to the JFK assassination anniversary, you guys check out uh, Parkland on Blu-ray.
0: Dead in Tombstone is probably the most interesting of the 18 Danny Trejo movies to be released uh, in on DVD and These Blu-ray awesome. and in theaters in the last 16 days. Uh, they're just. I don't know how he finds time to just keep making movies. It's He's unreal. Anyway, this is the most interesting of them. This is out in a Blu-ray DVD and ultraviolet combo set. And here's the plot. I'm kind of surprised that this did not actually get a theatrical release because I think this would have done better in theatrical release than uh the than Machete the the second Machete film, which is just stupid. Um, here's the idea. It's a western about a mining town that is uh, sacked by a bunch of gangsters, by a bunch of, you know, thugs and crooks. And the gang kills, the, um, kills their boss, who is Guerrero Hernandez, played by uh, Danny Trejo. And he goes, he goes to hell, where Satan, played by Mickey Rourke, a strange little kind of angel heart twist, right? Uh, Mickey Roy plays Satan and says, "I'll let you out of hell if you go and uh, you bring back the uh, the guys who uh, who put you uh, down here. If you you bring me them, I'll swap you out." And so he sends him back, and of course the rest of it is just uh, unleashed. The, it's just merciless unleashing of hell in uh, in a kind of a very silly, campy, cartoonish western scenario. I, it's actually strangely fun, even though it's it shouldn't be. It should be crap. But I thought this would have done better in a theatrical release. It did not. So there are two versions on here, R rated and not rated. Doesn't really. There's not a significant difference between the two of them. I wouldn't worry about it. But uh, you know, Universal should have uh, put a bigger push behind this. I would say.
1: Uh, Way clear history was a film that uh, went right to HBO. I think it's very funny. It uh, stars uh, Larry David. He plays a guy who was working for a electric car company uh, who gets into like this meaningless argument with his boss, played by John Hamm. And as part of the argument, he decides to give up his ten percent of the sh- of his shares in this company. And of course, the company goes on to make billions and billions of dollars. And Larry David is left with nothing. So he disappears for ten years and reinvents himself out of shame. And uh, when it comes to comedy and shame, nobody does it better than Larry David. So uh, I, if you love Larry David, you'll find this thing absolutely hilarious. It's very memorable. It's got a lot of funny stuff. It's very Woody Allen-esque, which, of course, Larry David is always accused of doing and being, but I do like him. It's got a terrific cast. Uh, Kate Hudson's in it, and uh, Michael Keaton's in it, Danny McBride, Eva Mendez. I don't know what happened to Eva Mendez and Amy Ryan, actually a former uh, Oscar nominee. What happened to Amy Ryan? Anyway, um, I like Claire History. It didn't really get a whole lot of uh, love. Uh, It got some good reviews, but not not a lot of love. I don't know how many people really watched this thing. It didn't seem like it uh, hit much of a cultural nerve, but uh, it is funny. Clear History, starring uh, Larry David
0: uh you know james franco had a uh film. He, he's directing movies left and right now and nobody's releasing them it's really funny he's got this uh sal Mineo film that's coming out in a couple of weeks which is going to do absolutely no business uh he he had an, a film effect selected for the Cannes film festival called as i lay dying which is based on a novel by william faulkner about a family trying to get their uh mother back to her her home village hometown for uh to be buried and um The novel, I've read the novel, read it a long time ago, never found it to be particularly cinematic. So it's no surprise that James Franco, the extraordinary auteur of The Ape, would uh, decide to try to uh, prove himself uh, a more legit filmmaker with this. But you know what, Mark and I, we won't let you forget that he directed The Ape. Uh, We will not let you forget that he starred in a movie and directed the movie in which uh, a guy in an ape suit wears a Hawaiian shirt and throws feces at him.
1: But you know what, I have to say, Franco has such a restless career. The guy does whatever he wants and you know what? I like that actually. Yeah,
0: I like that apart from the fact that he seems to turn up everywhere. You realize when this lunatic was shooting up LAX the other day, James Franco was there. He's tweeting about it. It's like, are, are you not, is there anywhere you're not in the middle of everything? Are you everywhere all the time now? What the hell? Come uh, on, guy.
1: Uh, oddly enough, for, for a guy who runs all over the place doing everything he can, he yeah. winds up hosting went... the Oscars and being the most lifeless Oscar host in <sighs> history.
0: Worst. Just goes out there and smiles like. Like a stoner, anyway. As I lay dying, look. In fairness, uh, it's not a bad film. It's it's based, you know, it's it's based on a novel that is that does not lend itself to being particularly cinematic. But uh, I, I, I'll tell you, it's a far cry from the ape. And uh, I will be fair to him; uh, it is a it's a better film than I would have expected from the guy who directed the ape. So uh, maybe he is maturing a bit. But as I lay dying, you know, didn't didn't get a real big push uh, theatrically. So uh, maybe you know. Maybe this is, maybe it's for all for all for the best. Maybe you know one of these days he'll sort of come through with something. I'll I'll give him the benefit of the doubt.
1: I also have to say that when he when he top lines films, I find him totally charisma free. I didn't like him in, in the uh, Wonderful World of Oz. No. I didn't like him in uh, Planet of the Apes. No. I just find this guy he's a I, bit of a charisma. I agree charisma with you. Deficit. I agree with you. Uh, speaking of uh, charisma deficit. Speaking of deficits, actually all around. Yeah. Comedy directing. Thy name is not Dennis Dugan. <laughs> Pretty much anything with Dennis Dugan's it's name unreal. is and the yet, broadest, most unfunny crap. you've And yet ever Adam seen.
0: Sandler has gone back to him time and time and time again. This over and just... over and over. I mean, and, and it, it's it all started with a non-Adam Sandler film, with with the film uh, um, uh, Problem Child. Problem Child is when Dennis Dugan decided to inflict the worst possible, broadest possible comedy on everybody, and uh, I thought that was sad because I actually liked Dennis Dugan as an actor. I was one of the four people who watched him on television as the star of Richie Brockelman Private, Private Eye. I remember that it had a great song "School's Out" written by Mike Post. You know, at the time when he was writing everything. And uh, I, I thought that was just fabulous
1: I used to love my A really post.
0: fun show And then he became a director And started making bad Adam Sandler movies So bad I have some fascinating stories About the kid who, who, uh, who starred in Problem Child By the way I'll tell you after the show Yes,
1: yeah, that's great uh, Anyway, uh, the latest Dennis Dugan P.O.S. Is Grown Ups 2 With Adam Sandler, Kevin James uh, Chris Rock and David Spade uh, This is a sequel that exists Only because the first one did well In flyover states And did pretty well internationally So you know what? If everybody works for a little bit less than they're used to, we can make another one and all get rich. Yay. So uh, this is just bad news. This is just very broad and not that funny. Very tossed-off material. Obviously, nobody's trying all that hard. Uh, a lot of gross-out stuff that I'm not really a big fan of. I just think it's just junk. So Grown Ups 2, although it was re- uh, mastered in 4K, way, because you know what? Yeah, I want to see Kevin Jane in 4K.
0: You do. Yes, you do. <laughs> uh, you know, White House Down was the first of the summer's big uh, blockbuster films to uh, just completely tank. And um, I, I heard from a number of people, including some listeners to the show, that it was not as bad as all that. Give it a chance. Give it a, give it a shot. And um, I have to be honest. It, it's not a terrible film, but it's not a particularly good film. And I think the, problem, the problems are very simple, number one. It had the misfortune of coming out uh, being the second film of, in the season with the, essentially the same plot. The other one being the uh, Morgan Freeman... Um,
1: yeah, the, uh, the, uh, o- the other o- Olympus Has Fallen. Olympus
0: Has Fallen, which they're doing a sequel to, by the way. Thank God. Uh, apparently because... Olympus it, Has Fallen again. Yes. Uh, Olympus Has Fallen came out with basically the same plot. So that took a lot of the thunder away. Second thing is I think the premise is problematic from the get-go. Even if if there's already been a movie about the White House being under siege, I got to tell you, I really think just in this current environment, that's not exactly a story that people are going to thrive to. I think it's uh, it. It kind of pushes. It's a little bit too. You know what? There, there are lunatics showing up outside the White House and outside Congress all the time with guns and so forth. And we're still too close to 9/11. I think people might feel this is still. It just hits a little too close to the bone. It's, really? We're not quite. I, I think people just don't. They feel like I don't really need to see that because that's not escapism. That's still something that. There's a raw a, nerve there. It's a, there's a raw nerve. There's an exposed nerve, and it's uh, it's not something I think people are quite ready to see. You know, even Air Force One, if it were made today, I think would suffer the same fate. I think that would feel just a little bit raw today. I
1: think Air Force One was one of the last decent Harrison Ford it was. movies.
0: Uh, the other problem, Jamie Foxx. is nothing presidential about him. No, nah, he's too young. It's just, it's just wrong. He's not the right look. Look, just because we have a black president does not mean that every black actor now can play a black president okay i mean you know uh, th- th- for example channing tatum plays the the other guy in this right the tough guy right he's the he's the action hero saving the president um, the the uh, you know the poli- just a cop in in washington dc now does, it, could channing tatum have played the president no <laughs> He's no more presidential than Jamie Foxx. It's just it's a type thing, you know? It has nothing to do with with uh, with race or anything else. It's just some actors are do not have a presidential demeanor. Morgan Freeman can play president all day long. Harrison Ford can play president all day long. These guys have like presidential heft to them. But there's nothing presidential about Jamie Foxx. Well,
1: that's true. However, there there is something international box office about Jamie Foxx. Yeah, Fox. not really.
0: Not really. really. You don't no. think Jamie Foxx sells no, international? I don't. No, I don't. Not at all. Not at all. I, I think I don't think I think the only thing that has ever sold international with Jamie Foxx was Ray and Django. And Ray was sold internationally because on the strength of the fact that it's about Ray Charles and Django sold internationally on the strength that it's a Quentin Tarantino movie. There's nothing about Jamie Foxx that sells internationally outside of those two movies. I think it was a big mistake. But anyway, that being said, uh, this has a few special features, featurette and stuff. You know, Roland Emmerich, who loves to blow up the White House many, many times in his career, uh, going all the way back to Independence Day. And then you got some Blu-ray exclusive stuff on here, uh, Gag Reel, which ain't that funny. And a bunch more uh, feature-ready stuff. Uh, The only one that is a little bit interesting is the uh, VFX boundaries down. That's the special effects stuff, uh, plus a crashing the Oval Office special effects breakdown. The the, the effects stuff is a little bit interesting. The rest is, is kind of boilerplate. Also ultraviolet on this one.
1: Wait, uh, one of the big ones this week is uh, the extended edition of The Hobbit: An Unexpected Journey three D. Oh, and
0: thank goodness that's been extended, because you know it yeah, well, was it was just too damn short before.
1: I just think you know what I'm so over this whole the damn whole, thing. The whole
0: Hobbit should have been one movie, the whole and then thing. it was going to be two movies when it was Del Toro and then, and then Peter Jackson turned it into three movies and now we're getting extended versions it never should have been an extended one movie
1: it's just too much I, I don't know who buys this stuff can someone please email Good us at, at com and just tell me that we really need this
0: because, because the, the Lord of the Rings is like what you know over a thousand some odd pages of, of stuff turned into three movies it winds up almost being a page a minute just from the books The Hobbit is this tiny book it, they're over-inflating it. It's it's unbelievable. It's just they're inserting so much gas and so much air into, into this and set pieces that are not in the book. It's crazy. I don't know what they're doing.
1: Well, the extended edition takes up a couple of Blu-rays in, in and of itself. Yikes. There's also a fourth disc of... Um... The making of. There's also a fifth disc of uh, character backgrounds. The only thing I'll say about the Hobbit 3D is that the Blu-ray. You hear those dogs?
0: I do. What's up with that? Oh,
1: um, this it's it's vampires. A, this what? Are these zombie dogs? Yeah. Uh, this is a gorgeous Blu-ray. This is a ten-eighty p AVC encoded. Looks amazing. Uh, I mean, it just it's pretty top-notch. The audio is top-notch also. So you know, look. There's a 3D version of the movie here. Um, You need the glasses. Obviously, you need a Blu-ray 3D player. So, you know, if you're into this crap, go for it, dude. But I just think I'm over it. I mean, you really got to sit there and, like, revisit. We, We now have literally approximately 15 hours of just Lord of the Rings movies. Yep. We've got three, the original three. We got this one. We have the desolation of smog, which just sounds like a joke. <laughs> let's go see the desolation of smog, honey. I mean, that just sounds horrible. The flippity flip of Blanguaca. Why well, just make stuff? Maybe just make up words and put it, put it after the Hobbit, honey. Let's go see the Hobbit. the uh, the the, the Rapscallion of flumbombly. I love that movie. I read all seventeen versions of that book. It's just the desolation of smog. Are you kidding me?
0: Diminishing returns and all that stuff. People, just stop it. Yeah. Neil Jordan's career really has been kind of... Uh, it skids. The skids lately. And uh, I I got to tell you, I'm one of the four or five people who really liked Byzantium. Uh, I think this is his best film in quite a while. It is his first vampire film since uh, the, uh, the Anne Rice thing and I, I actually thought this for a, for a, a low-budget little British indie with a real cool genre twist, I thought was, I, I just loved what it did, I thought it was so interesting so kind of counterintuitive um, so alternative, and I don't really like vampire movies to begin with, I mean I think the whole genre has been way overdone but I thought the approach in this particular film was so interesting and so unusual and so different, I totally got into it I also love Gemma Arterton, I just think she's fantastic, cannot get enough of her I'm a big fan of Shorsha Ronan and And uh, the idea here is that they play a couple of vampires, present day, uh, whose relationship is not clear, but it is slowly unraveled as you piece together where they came from a couple of centuries earlier, what happened, and why these other guys who appear to also be vampires are after them, why they are being pursued. Um, Very, very interesting. It reinvents vampire lore entirely from the ground up, which is what I think is clever about this film it it doesn't you know most vampire films sort of cop to uh all of the vampire lore that is you know the silver bullet and the garlic and the van, and the draculas and the this and the that and all the stuff that sort of has been there they try to build on that foundation byzantium doesn't it invents its own lore from the ground up it completely casts all that stuff away and it's a, it's a whole new landscape and uh that makes it interesting that makes it very very innovative it's beautifully shot Really cool music, great performances, uh, and Neil Jordan demonstrates that even if the movie wasn't a success, he still has chops. It's a good-looking Blu-ray; highly recommended.
1: Uh, way the way way back.
0: Oh, I gotta watch this!
1: Is one of those like Sundancey type movies that everybody was buzzing about because it's like the new Little Miss Sunshine, it's yeah. the new Juno, it's the new blah blah blah. And I gotta say, it's really pretty good. It's very charming. It's a real crowd pleaser. Uh, but it's not. It's not unctuous. It's not trying. It's, it's not it, unctuous. It, it, yes, it's a crowd pleaser. But it is not. It is not.
0: You just use the it, word unctuous yes, in a sentence.
1: Yes, it is not trying to. Wow. It, it is not trying to uh, prove to the audience that it is the nicest, coolest, awesomest thing. It just sort of is a really cool story about this uh, kid who goes on a summer vacation. The kid's fourteen years old. He has to spend the summer with his mother and his mother's new uh, boyfriend, played by Steve Carell. And this kid is alienated. He's young. He's, he kind of feels like a loser. And he winds up while on vacation meeting um, Sam Rockwell, who takes him under his wing, and he learns all sorts of fabulous life lessons. I thought this thing was, you know what, I was really expecting one of those twee little Sundancey things that are just so insufferable. And I'm not saying this doesn't have some of that, but I just feel like um, the performances are good. It's very funny. It's very charming. And, uh, you know, I, I think well, whatever is uh, formulaic about it just melts away. I just think it's an interesting film called The Way Way Back. Recommended. Sweet. Recommended.
0: You know, Brian De Palma made another movie this year. Uh, he's also been kind of on the skids. He's not really been on his game since uh, Mission Impossible. That was like the, his last yeah, – I thought he was going to resurrect his career in that moment, and then he just made a bunch of crap. You know,
1: you know what's funny is that, is that some of us were disappointed in the original Mission Impossible, and then we started to watch the sequels. And when you go back, you realize oh, no. how good the original
0: oh, no, was. No. The stealing of the knock is one of the it's, best things he's ever done.
1: Yes, when, that, he, that's, when Tom Cruise oh, floats on the and the, the, wires. And the and the
0: drop of the sweat that's on great. the edge of, this, of the gla- yes. of this, the glasses. Oh, that's just. But then
1: you got oh. like JJ doing one, and the, although John although, and, although you know what Mission Impossible Four was terrific.
0: Yeah, it's fine. It was
1: terrific, but it's you fine. know what? But the other Brad, one, the
0: Brad Bird thing.
1: Yeah, but yeah. Uh, the De Palma original that's got style. It's, it's
0: the best. Tense, so great. See,
1: movies aren't like. Movies don't stop to be just tense.
0: They don't stop, is what, they, what it is. They don't stop anymore. They don't pause. Well, anyway, getting to that. Kids Bri- don't
1: like pausing. Wait, Brian De Palma, Kids are very
0: busy. Brian De Palma's Two. passion, which stars uh, Rachel McAdams and Noomi Rapace as uh, a couple of female executives who get involved in this, you know, uh, corporate climbing. That becomes kind of a a bizarre thriller. Um, This almost plays like a uh, a parody of his old movies. He's trying too hard to do the thing that he thinks people expect him to do. That's the problem. He thinks, oh, I'm De Palma, so people want me to do, like, have all this kind of uh, weird, creepy, quasi Hitchcockian, uh, latent, uh, like, uh, SM y lesbian y kind of subconscious obsessive crap going on and it's like no you, do, you don't need to actually do that intentionally just to be a Brian De Palma movie just make a good movie just just do something interesting don't don't kind of indulge in your own obsessions all over again and uh, it's funny because there's an interview you know that I did with Brian De Palma which is actually part of the book uh, on interviews with Brian De Palma um, that, where he talks about getting tired of his own obsessions this was about the time that he did the Mission to Mars movie And um, apparently he's not tired of his own obsessions because he's indulging them tenfold here. But anyway, not a terribly good movie. It's got a little bit of his style, but it really feels like a parody of a Brian De Palma movie. And it has interviews with De Palma and uh, McAdams and Rapace in it. It comes in a Blu-ray package that is white. uh, Not white, it's red. It's a red uh, Blu-ray keep case, and that's very odd. It'll stand out on the shelf, but if you're buying it on Amazon, you probably don't care.
1: Wade Lovelace uh, stars Oh, Amanda I love lace, Sa- especially in doilies. Sa- Sa- it's really nice. Save Fried. Yeah. You know, I always pronounce her name differently. Uh, Amanda S. Seyfried. Seyfried. Yeah. Uh, plays Linda Lovelace, who was kind of the first porn star, I guess you could say. This is in the early 70s. Yep. And she uh, starred in a very famous porn film called Deep Throat, which was kind of the first porn crossover hit, I guess, that made millions and millions of dollars. Interestingly enough, you realize mm-hmm. that Deep Throat... Yeah which was 1972, Now this made was... like hundreds of millions of dollars. But Linda Lovelace only made $1,250 for her appearance in that movie. That's all she ever made. Really? Yes. And the movie made hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, Lovelace is actually not bad. It, uh, it, was, it, was, um, it was played at Sundance where it got a little bit of buzz. Uh, when you think about all the ways this thing could have been just terrible, it winds up avoiding most of them. And it uh, becomes pretty interesting. It's with uh, Peter Sarsgaard, Hank Azaria, Adam Brody, uh, Bobby Cannavale. Uh, you know, it's got a Chris Noth, Debbie Mazar, Juno Temple, who I love, Sharon Stone. It's a terrific story. And, uh, you know, it's a good little film. You know, you wouldn't really think. But uh, so it, it gets into the whole Deep Throat uh, frenzy. It uh, gets into how it affected uh, Lovelace's career and uh, what wound up becoming of her. And so it's a great little character piece. I thought it was great. Uh, I was surprised Very surprised At Lovelace The story of Linda Lovelace The very first Porn star, Wait,
0: Girl Most Likely uh, Is a well-meaning film That doesn't quite fire On all cylinders But it fires well enough To be probably worth watching Uh, Stars Kristen Wiig As a playwright Whose life Just has completely Disintegrated So she moves home and uh, her, her, she has to sort of reinvent her life by, you know, moving home and getting back in touch with all those wacky people she ran away from, including her mom, played by Annette Bening. Oh, she's just so nuts! Uh, you know, this is. Here's what's frustrating about this: it's got a decent cast. Matt Dillon is in this and uh, does, you know, pretty decent job, but. This is by uh, husband and wife team, uh, Shari Springer-Berman and Robert Pulcini, who previously did American Splendor and the Nanny Diaries. And you remember American Splendor won best. Were you in LAFCA when we gave a best picture to American no, Splendor? Okay, no, that was no. before you were in. Yeah. We gave best picture of the year. That was terrific. To American Splendor. Sure. I'm just saying American Splendor best picture of the year so what you're saying is what i'm saying is I, I didn't think american Splendor was the best picture of the year but still it's like when suddenly a major film critic organization tells you you just made the best film of the entire freaking year that should light a fire under you to maybe try to do things big just use your capital they've not done anything you with know, their they, capital
1: well the problem with these guys too is that they can really only make see those sorts of films yeah. they're not going to graduate and make Thor three, but they haven't. Okay? They They're haven't, not going to make torture porn. None what, what, of these. What are they going
0: to do? None of these movies since even had what American Splendor had, which was that certain kind of self reflexive in- inventiveness, where you know you're sort of outside the movie while you're inside it at the same time. It played with the form, you know. It played with that whole com- comic book sensibility in a really in- inventive way, and none of their subsequent movies feel like they have even the desire to try to be inventive anymore. It's like they're just going through the motions. Ah, oh, it's a funny script. Let's make actors do funny things. Okay, move. Next movie. It's almost like they don't care anymore. It's very strange. Well,
1: it also may be a function of whatever whatever scripts they're offered. I guess. Maybe they're, they're writing it, yeah. but it's not really clicking with financiers. So they get offered scripts that maybe they don't want to do, but then again they got to do something, so let's just do that. That's how it is. Yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. Bounty, right. bounty Killer Wade. Yeah. Bounty Killer takes place 20 years in the future, and, um, you know, <laughs> I have to say this movie's pretty stupid, but it's kind of got some fun stuff in it. Uh, it's kind of road warrior-ish. It takes place 20 years in the future, and the world is run by, you know, corporations, and all they care about is making money, and um, this thing, it's all about these outlaws, who want to get revenge on a bunch of criminals like white collar corporate criminals? And they jump in their car and their motorcycles and they just go after them with vengeance. And it's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. It's got an okay cast. Christiana Lokens in it from Terminator 65 with what you know whatever that was. Uh, Matthew Mars basically a bunch of nobodies. Gary Busey shows up for a second. Um, but this thing is so ridiculously like you know B movie road warrior that it kind of got me. It kind of had me going for a little while. Uh, it's called Bounty Killer. And uh, you know, I gotta say, uh, don't expect much. But if you want something really kind of fun, energetic, slightly cheesy, uh, I would go for Bounty Killer. Believe Sweet. it or not, I'm just saying.
0: And now the movie that is our giveaway this week: Computer Chess. Oh, uh, this movie's great! It's terrific, isn't it? It is. Uh, it is a really smart comedy from Andrew Bujalski, uh, who wrote, directed, and edited it. And the whole thing takes place like 30 years ago, when uh, computer programmers were kind of trying to master the whole idea of computer chess. And uh, it's 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 a really smart, clever film. This was at Sundance and South by Southwest and Berlin. And uh, you know, I think Kino should have really given this a big uh, theatrical push, but I understand why it you know would would have been a challenge but what a, what a smart movie I mean, what a really smart, clever little movie that captures a, a brilliant moment in time. I agree
1: it's very clever, it's very charming, it's very whimsical yeah it's just great it, you know what it is it captures that it captures that like primordial moment yeah when like computer programming and computer technology were just a day and a half away from taking yeah. over everything yeah. You know, and it just was—it's just great. But it
0: also captures the sensibility of computer nerds at the moment when they were emerging. When you know, these are people who were just nerds before, and then computers gave them a sense of purpose. And it captures that sensibility. It captures that particular kind of personality. It's really—it's—it's a—it's a a sharp little movie. Yep, love it. Great snapshot of a of a moment in time. That's from Kino Lorber, and we uh, are—they are giving away five copies of this. So uh, please email us at godsdigigods.com. Put chess in the subject line, and we'll pick uh, five people as long as your email is date stamped by the 8th, and uh, you will have the uh, wonderful opportunity to get a DVD of Computer Chess from Kino Lorber. And what a fun movie. Andrew Bajalski, real, real future that guy has. I, I agree. Talented filmmaker.
1: Yep, yep, on board.
0: All right, Mark, uh, Docs.
1: War of the Worlds. Uh, Wade. PBS. Uh, October 30th, 1938, very famous day in radio and cultural history, which is the day that uh, Orson Welles did his legendary War of the Worlds radio broadcast. Which, you know, what's funny is that you know the 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 whole story is that you know Wells, he's uh, you know 23 years old, he does this War of the Worlds broadcast, and uh, on the eve of Halloween, 1938, and the story is how everybody thought that this radio broadcast was real. Now, this is 1938, folks. This is not... Nobody's tweeting about it. Nobody's Instagramming. It's
0: 1938. And, and, and you know, Ray did a, did a little uh, uh, audio doc for... Yeah, which is great. Which is terrific. It was and, really good.
1: And so everybody freaks out because everybody thinks that there really was an alien invasion.
0: It's just... It's so surreal. But and that what's funny happened. is that...
1: And you, you, you get the sense of it from this documentary here from PBS called War of the Worlds is that... Um, It really wasn't like this thing where millions of people are freaking out. It really was just a handful of idiots who thought there was an actual alien invasion. Mm -hmm. And most people knew it for what it was, which is a radio broadcast. So some of that was a bit overblown for history's sake. Uh, But still, it's a great moment. Uh, It's a great radio moment. It shows the power of radio. It shows the power of media. And it's one of the first to really do that. And so I think this is great. So if you know nothing about the War of the Worlds And you want to get a very interesting snapshot As to what it was like in 1938 To be totally fooled I mean this is almost like One of the ultimate media pranks Of all time Uh, Check out the PBS uh, documentary War of the Worlds Great stuff, just great stuff
0: uh, Baby Peggy, The Elephant in the Room, is an outstanding film from our good friends over at Milestone. Uh, this is distributed by Oscilloscope Theatrically. And I'll tell you, I, the people at Milestone do such great work. And uh, it's just a small company, but they really they, – they nail it when they get a good film and, and they find some really amazing films. Baby Peggy, The Elephant in the Room is a documentary – about the mo about probably someone you've never heard of. If the name Peggy, Baby Peggy doesn't mean anything to you, you've definitely never heard of her. Baby Peggy predates um, uh, every other child star and and child uh, film uh, series from a- any era. This she was the original child movie star pre Shirley Temple pre Mickey Rooney and uh, and Judy Garland pre all of that stuff. Baby Peggy was a silent era movie star. From the time she was a baby, practically. I mean, she could barely even walk, and she was already a movie star. Huge, hugely successful, and then her career just imploded. Family problems, all kinds of other dramatic twists and turns. And this is a fantastic documentary that uh, tells this, this long-forgotten story. And it's not just a great movie history story. It's not just a great story about... A particular period in time, and you know some kind of a weird, eccentric story about how how perverse the industry was, even in its earliest days. But it really is a cautionary tale about now, and um, it it's just it's a terrific film, really, really good. Baby Peggy, the elephant in the room, highly, highly, highly recommended. And uh, then also, Masters of Money from the uh, Acorn Athena line is an Awesome, awesome film, uh, especially if you're a kind of a, an, econ- an economics wonk, which a little bit like I am. Uh, this is about economic theory as applied to the current economic uh, situation in the world. The, the you know the the crisis that the world has sort of been in economically in every uh, corner of the globe since about 2008, at least when the big collapse happened. But it even predates all of that. Um, but this specifically is from 2008 on and they look for what different economic theories would apply uh, and how they might have impacted this. And they specifically look at three. John Maynard Keynes, father of Keynesian economics, uh, the uh, great Austrian economist uh, Friedrich Hayek, otherwise known as F.A. Hayek, and then, of course, Karl Marx. Uh, Now, you know, I have no great love for Karl Marx. I think one of the, you know great psychopaths of history but nonetheless it's interesting to see his economic theories applied against Hayek against Keynes and uh, you know I'm a real wonk for this stuff and I thought this was a really really interesting documentary I thought it uh, did a very good job of making all these different economic theories accessible and uh, kind of helps you understand different points of view and different advantages and it puts it all in historical perspective I think it's a terrific doc and uh, really should be seen by just about everybody.
1: All right, wait, here's Masters what we're doing. Masters of money. Here's what we're doing. I'm gonna talk about this one in my hand. We're yes. gonna do the Vox Box, then we're gonna do TV, and that's it. We are done. Okay. This week's excitement. Okay. Um you are you ready with the Vox Box? I'm ready with the Vox Box. Okay, first let me talk about the greatest ears in town. This is a documentary. Uh, now I love documentaries about music producers only because you don't really get a sense of what really goes into the making of any song until you look at the producer, hear what they're saying. Look at them behind the soundboard, see how they contribute, get a sense of how they add to the sound. Obviously, you know, let's say, uh, you know, Phil Spector, you know, being one of the big ones. You know, you really get a sense of what the Phil Spector sound was. Here you got a guy who's very unsung. His name is Arif Martin. And uh, he put his stamp on songs by the Bee Gees, Aretha Franklin, Barbara Streisand, Hall & Oates, Ben Midler, uh, Nora Jones. You know, the guy was just terrific. And the greatest ears in town... Is all about him. Now, he, he died of uh, pancreatic cancer a number of years ago. But uh, still, if you want to get a sense of uh, what it takes to make a hit record and how sometimes the producer and the artist wind up fighting over it and fighting over it because it's the artist, it's their, it's their butt on the line yeah. if the song doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But the producer, a lot of times, is the one with the vision. And uh, it's, just, it's a great documentary, uh, The Greatest Ears in Town. Check it out. Wade, what are we doing?
0: We're doing a Vox Box. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work. gentlemen mario mendez here long time no here i wanted to ask something that has been puzzling me for a while i wanted to know using uh mark culinary terms Um, How's a sausage made? How far ahead do you guys uh, review your DVDs? Do you watch the movies in their entirety? Do you watch them by segments? Last week there was the Exorcist re-release. Do you put on the old Exorcist re-release to see what has been uh, added and taken away? You know, how's the big picture work? What day do you guys get together? How long do you record? Uh, You know, fill it all in so that I just get a a good idea. And last but not least, uh, my brother's movie, Mike Mendez's Big Ass Spider. Uh, opens up on VOD October 18th. That's right, shameless plug. Thank you, take care. Love the plug. Uh, it, it, perfect, you know, Mario, thanks. Uh, it, it, I think that's so cool. It, it, big, his brother's movie is like a big deal now. It's hey. a big-ass spider.
1: Hey, man, come on. Don't You know what? You, anybody who gets a movie made, God love him.
0: And Greg Grunberg's in that movie, and Greg is, of course, a, an old friend of ours as well, so uh, part of the old J.J. cult Um I know. Greg, was, Greg was Junior made, high school. Yeah.
1: He was, when I went to junior high, he yeah. was part of the J.J. J He was.
0: Yeah, and, and Greg has so made... So was I, by the way. And Greg has made me laugh many, many times. Greg and, uh, and uh, you know, good friend of mine from high school, Mark Sanderson, were uh, screenwriting partners for a while. So we, we have all kinds of little tentacles, and I think we are invested in your brother's movie. We're definitely invested in its success because of uh, you and because of uh, Greg, so we hope Big Ass Spider really, really hits it big. Looks like it has all the makings of a cult film. How's the sausage made? The sausage is is made chaotically. Um,
1: It's a bit case by case. Like, for instance, when it comes to The the Exorcist, I've seen The Exorcist 500,000 times. So I don't need to sit through the entire new Exorcist, but I will look at the old Exorcist. And, uh, I mean, again, sometimes, as you know, when we go through these things, well, sometimes we'll mention the audio video quality. Sometimes if there's a lot of DVDs to talk about in a particular week, we will not talk about the video and audio quality yeah. just tell you whether you should get it or not. Yeah. Uh, but let's take The Exorcist as an example. I've seen it 50,000 times. I'll put in the old one, put in the new one, you know, skip through it a little bit, check it out, and, uh, you know, because I already know I love the movie.
0: There, There is an amortization thing that goes on, too. You know, I see... a ton of stuff just because I of when I'm on, on film week on NPR. So a, a given NPR show, um, you know, for example, a few weeks ago there were twenty two films that opened on one week. That's insane. I don't know why people release that many movies, but a lot of them are four walls. They're kind of one-offs and whatnot. We wind up talking about a, a close to a dozen sh- films. In so, you know, in, a, in any given week, I've got to see usually uh, that week every just about everything that gets released, at least is all the big stuff. So um, th- I have seen a lot of those things already. So when they come to us on DVD or Blu-ray, I, I don't have to watch the whole thing. I can, you know, kind of uh, skim through it. Um, oftentimes, it's just a question of watching the extras. Sometimes it's... It's, um, you know, if it's a TV series... Just take a look at uh, you know, one episode, a few bits in the episode. Just listen to a little bit of the commentary. You know, we do the best that we can. Uh, the, the important thing is that we're giving you a, as honest appraisal of as much stuff every week as possible so that you don't actually have to go and read individual reviews over and over and over and over. We try to give you the, the big picture. So it is really uh, week by week uh, you know, m- making a, a whole different sausage every week depending on whatever is presented us.
1: I mean we, we could talk about less DVDs. And talk, talk more about less DVDs. But we decided to talk less about more DVDs. Yes. Although, so, for some reason, if you guys want us to talk more about less DVDs, then let us know. But I think right now it's... bit more like volume, volume, volume.
0: So real quickly, uh, knock out a few television things. Got a couple of foreign television things from the great people at Megahertz Networks. That's mhznetworks.org. Always releasing really, really interesting stuff. Uh, The Johan Falk Trilogy, uh, a three-DVD set of Zero Tolerance, Executive Protection, and The Third Wave. The the Johan Falk Trilogy is uh, a Swedish series, which is, like a lot of Swedish television, feature quality, really, really well done. Uh, stars an, an actor by the name of Jakob Eklund as, the, as a cop in, uh, in the town of Gothenburg, which is really a town. It's a city by, by uh, Swedish standards, but it's a town by anybody else's standards. And uh, it, this is really great cop stuff, great cop television, and uh, it feels like a, like a feature. It really does. It's beautifully directed, really well written, highly recommended. And then there is Antigone 34, the complete series, which is uh, a French series uh, on three DVDs, about uh, six hours worth here. Uh, You know, not a huge series, but uh, Antigone 34 is just really, really tough uh, policewoman stuff. Uh, and the French do some some pretty bad television, but they do some pretty good television too. And this is really good television. Uh, th- this is great uh, great television cop stuff. Way better than Police Woman with uh, Angie Dickinson uh, from you know the '70s. Here, uh, definitely check it out. It's it's gritty, tough television. So, Antigone, thirty four, the complete series.
1: Uh, wait, We have Magic City. Now, this was a star show that lasted two seasons and has since been canceled. Uh, This is all about, uh, you know, Miami and all the bad, bad guys and good guys and film noirish type malls who hang out in Miami. And it has Danny Houston in it, which, of course, means that we don't like it. Because we hate everything Danny Houston is in. That, we're so mean. But I do like Jeffrey Dean Morgan. He's cool. Um, anyway, this thing is, uh, this is the complete second season of Magic City, which I cannot really recommend because the show's been canceled uh, unless you love the series. Um, so anyway, it's, this is part of the whole Mad Men thing, you know, it takes place like in 1959 and which is a little bit earlier than Mad Men, but still, you know, actually no, it's around the Mad Men time. Um, even though Mad Men is kind of like late sixties at this point, actually speaking of which we have season six of Mad Men. Anyway, I would forget about Magic City and I would go with, um, season six of Mad Men, which I'm holding in my hand right now. Uh, this does take place in the late sixties. And at this point I have to say that Mad Men is running out of steam. I'm a little I'm a little over it at this point. I get it. It's a great show. I think the issue is that AMC kind of like they need to find another they need to find a way out of the show and they need they need to replace it with something equally good because you don't you want to go out on top. You don't want to go out ha- running on fumes.
0: Well, Low Winter Sun, man. I'm all about Low Winter Sun. Low
1: Winter Sun is cool, but it's again, good show. but again, I I don't know the lo- Low Winter Sun to me seems like indie cool whereas it is, it Mad Men seems cool. like Main a little more mainstream, cool, you know. They they need another mainstream hit like Mad Men. Yeah, because I'm I'm a little over it. Anyway, go.
0: Uh, Vikings first season uh, you know who knew that the History Channel would uh, start doing stuff like this I, I gotta say, I'm a big fan of Vikings because I got Viking ancestry and you know you, oh, Jesus you-, you kind of you-, you sort of want to figure that I'm a, I'm a modern day Viking I could I could go really raiding not. with a battle axe mm-hmm. I could I could ransack if I wanted to so yeah, I could I could kind of tap those ancient genes not really um, uh, the uh, I-, I think this show is trying to get its footing I'm hoping the second season really corrects a lot of the issues because it, it it just felt kind of cheesy. It felt like they were cutting corners and trying to be just a little bit too Viking-ish. You don't need to put that much into it. You got guys with swords and shields, and they're they're marauding and marauding. That's kind of the deal. You don't need to have them act overly macho, and everybody's just a little bit too. I want you to go raiding now. We want to go raiding where no one's ever been raiding before. No, it's forbidden to go raiding to the east and you, yeah. Okay, whatever. Um it just feels a little bit silly. Uh so I'm hoping that they correct that. It it gets better along the uh, as it goes along in the series. Uh, I watched uh, the first few episodes, caught a few of the next few, and then kind of uh, caught the last few of the season. And um, the Blu-ray set is really quite nice. This is uh, nine episodes. They are unrated here, so there's a little bit of extra stuff in them that would not be television-friendly. So you do get uh, that much. But uh, the extras, the audio commentary, it's not that great. And the the, the featurettes are so-so. Um, try to give it a little bit of historical perspective, but nothing nothing that great. Uh, there are some exclusive uh, interactive bits on the Blu-ray, uh, especially the Armory bit. is That's actually kind of interesting. Um, so uh, worth getting if you're a fan of the show. Otherwise, I'd say hold out for when it finishes its run, which will be in two or three years, and then get the complete series.
1: Uh, wait, I like Under the Dome. This is a summer show that uh, really kind of struck a nerve. And this is based on the Stephen King book. This, of course, is about the little town of uh, Chester's Mill, which is suddenly um, sh- uh, sealed off from the world by some sort of a force field or a dome. And it's one of those lost type dramas where yeah, yeah, they yeah. really parcel out the mysteries. And they tell the you nothing every week
0: and then they tell you a little bit more, but then they tell you even less.
1: <laughs> yeah, You know what? I would consider this a little bit. I mean, lost was like a comp- I mean, I was I was lost watching Lost for you know, most of you know, its these, you know what these shows are? Here, here's what these
0: shows are. These I shows I like under the Dome. These shows are a stripper. These shows are a stripper who shows up one week and takes a piece of clothing off and then comes back the next week and takes another piece of clothing off but yet she's put some more pieces of clothing on. All right, that's, that, that's, that's what it is that,
1: that's quite an analogy uh, anyway I like Under the dumb, so screw you um, the complete uh, collection Saved by the Bell now Saved by the Bell they have <laughs> they've collected all five seasons of this, of this piece of crap that, that we just loved mainly because uh, Elizabeth Berkeley was smoking hot at least to me and Dustin Diamond was that was that nerdy kid who we could all relate to. So this is uh, basically of all five seasons on DVD. They put them all in one big package. I have to say, I mean, I'm glad that they didn't just take like all like unused cop or unsold copies of the five individual seasons and throw a box around them. Yeah, they actually kind of tried to package it. decently. Did. They did. So if you love Saved by the Bell. Yo, how could you not get this? Because it's Saved by the Bell. I, me, I would never want to own the show, but um, it did have its moments. Well, it was very cool. Dustin Diamond was like, you know, he was like the the, the dude. He was the Urkel of uh, Saved by the Bell. Yeah, He was the Urkel. He the was Screech. screech. And uh, t- uh, Tiffany Amber Thiessen was Cupid, Berkeley, hot,
0: yeah. smoking. Yeah. And uh, we also have Boy Meets World, the uh, complete collection, which is, uh, it, this is unlike the... Uh, Unlike say, by the Bell, they just sort of ram all seven seasons in here uh, rather unceremoniously. I was never a huge fan of this show. I don't find it all that charming or compelling, but I, it, it had a certain following... And uh, for a certain generation This is going to be very, very nostalgic I find it really remarkable That this show is now a decade old The earliest shows are 20 years old Holy
1: Christ Boy
0: Meets World is suddenly Unbelievably ancient uh, So these people well, who so you, these, these people are now like 40 years old Who thought this was like a really cool show at the time So maybe that'll uh, be meaningful to them I don't know But uh, it's, it's bargain price So it shouldn't be a big deal And then uh, lastly, the complete sixth season of The FBI with Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., the man with the most uncreative parents in the world. Couldn't you have thought up a better name than Ephraim Zimbalist Jr.? No. I don't know. Anyway, this was a great show back in its day—a uh, one of those original Quinn Martin shows that were uh, so slick. And uh, this it, was a cool show. It, it,
1: it was. I, 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 growing up, I would see—I mean, these are in reruns, obviously. Oh, obviously, absolutely, we, absolutely. Th- th- this show predates us, but I'm saying that in reruns, it was pretty cool.
0: But like every other show from this era, it's just loaded with great guest stars, loaded with them. I mean, a lot of great people. Martin Sheen shows up, Dabney Coleman. Uh, Suzanne Blachette. even William Shatner, it, it shows up in in an episode. It's Rob just. Rob
1: Pattinson, he's in this. Miley Cyrus, she's in this too. No. 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 Rob Pattinson? No. About, uh, no. But Miley
0: Cyrus, yes, she's she's twerking. Is yes. That right? Yeah, she's a twerking fetus.
1: Fascinating.
0: She's not even close to being born. It's, it's, she'd be a twerking fetus on like uh, Boy Meets World? All right, wait, we okay. wrap it up. Okay. That's it. We're done. Mark, do we have a? We we gotta pick an outro, man.
1: Yeah. We have to. Re- we have to record. You realize that we we got a bunch of n- new intros and we've recorded none of them, Wade. Why is that? Mainly, you we
0: cannot coordinate schedules because I have a baby. That's Corey why.
1: will come. To, you realize that Corey will come to your house. I to know. Record them.
0: I know. We should do that. We'll just do that. Goodbye, goodbye. All right, that's it. We're done. Uh, no outro this week. I don't know. Or, or come It's up. the end. Goodbye. There we go.